Well, we'll do that again. The Gospel of Mark from the 8th chapter. Thank you very much. This is indeed the Gospel. Reading this morning from St. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38, and it can be found on page 1566 in the Pew Bible. Mark 8, 27 through 38. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, Who do the people say that I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called to the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me, And my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Peter, does, does anyone here just, can you help but love Peter? You know, there are times when I read of Peter and I hear these words from my past. I said I wasn't going to name him my big brother. And he would say to me, you know, your other foot will probably fit. Why don't you try it and see? You know, in, in, in one verse, Peter, he's the hero. And then a few verses later, well, 
he's kind of a zero. He does not fully understand. And the fact that he doesn't fully understand and he says these kinds of things brings me comfort and hope about the things that I say and I don't understand and I say in ever. What a joy it is to know Jesus and his forgiveness. Amen? We hear in the gospel that Jesus took his disciples north to an area around Caesarea Philippi. And this was to get away from the crowds for a, a time. And Caesarea Philippi was 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It is near Mount Hermon and the source of the Jordan River. This retreat allowed Jesus and the disciples to be alone so that Jesus could attend to their instruction. In modern times, maybe a like and kind, it would help to envision this as part of their seminary training. Now, some professors in Christian seminaries will proclaim that all theology is Christology. That is, if you solidly understand the identity of Christ, the rest of theology, the understanding of God, is a piece of cake. Apparently, Jesus thought the same thing because he began teaching his disciples about the Christ and the nature of the the Christ. Of course, in Jesus' case, this means that he is teaching the disciples about himself. He began by asking them to consider what the people were saying about him. When he asked, who do people say that I am? And the disciples came back with all kinds of wrong answers. John the Baptist was one answer. The others say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. And then Jesus moved on, and he asked them, but who do you say that I am? He wanted to hear their, their personal confession. And of course, Peter was the first to put it into words, what the other disciples perhaps were thinking. He said, you are the Christ. And in this case, Peter got the words exactly right. It is like Peter, in golf terms, in golf terms, he sank a 50-foot putt for eagle. You can almost hear, it's in the hole. Or in basketball terms, nothing but net. Peter did. He did good. And as any golfer or spectator knows, that the celebration on the green is not meant to last. For there is another hole to play. There's another time to tee the ball up and drive the ball until the game is finished. And as we read further, we 
unfortunately here that Peter would be the hero for only a few short verses. We heard that even though he got the words right, he didn't really understand their true meaning. In, in effect, in golf terms again, Peter shanks his drive from the tee into the lake, a hero to a zero. And at this point in his ministry, Jesus knew that the disciples did not properly understand the meaning of Peter's good and correct confession. That is the reason that he told the disciples to keep quiet about it for the time being. That is also the reason that Jesus began telling them about the true meaning of Peter's confession. And today's gospel says he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. His disciples, his disciples found this message to be deeply offensive. And Peter especially. Peter took offense at Jesus' words. In fact, we read that Peter took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. Now there's a word we don't often use anymore. I rebuke you. you what? Maybe we should. But it means, in fact, that Peter really laid into Jesus. Peter actually tried to give Jesus a bawling out, a dressing down, a lecture. He is literally criticizing God. Imagine. And of course, Jesus loved Peter too much to let him get away with it. Jesus stopped. He did a about face and he laid into Peter. Jesus used some pretty strong language too when he said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus could be gentle, but not this time. And he blasted Peter. Now, just last week, we talked uh, about the devil and him continuing to tempt Jesus. And one of the greatest temptations went something like this, and I take liberty in this paraphrasing. But he said, listen, Jesus, um, you know, this, this, this cross thing, uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. And you have the power. And you can uh, increase your, your following um, by just doing a few miracles. Uh, there really is no reason for you to follow through with your plan to suffer. Everyone is expecting you to set up an earthly kingdom. So why not give it to them? Give them what they expect. 
when Peter took Jesus aside and he scolded Jesus, he was, he was acting as an agent of the devil. He was tempting Jesus to give up his road to the cross. Can, can, can you see that now? Can you see how serious this was? The cross is the main reason that the Son of God took on human flesh in the first place. In the Old Testament, it declares that the Christ must suffer and die and rise from the dead. This was the plan from eternity. It was the plan. This is exactly what Jesus was teaching his disciples when Peter interrupted him. Now hear this. The devil didn't change up his game much. He's still doing the same kind of work today. He's trying to hide the cross today. Our modern society today often finds the cross to be offensive. Sometimes they outright speak it, and other times it's a little more veiled, albeit thinly veiled. The world today finds the cross, it says that it's gruesome and it is foolishness. It is R-rated for violence. And the world, outside of the church, chalks it up to a fantasy. Just a story about Skyman and his son. And truly, it is hard to fathom and to understand the shame and the cruelty of a death on the cross. And many will try to bury the cross message. Jesus loves these people too much to let them get away with it. And today's gospel speaks to those who wish to hide the cross, and it says, get behind me, Satan. It says, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And some people say, all right, already. We heard about the cross. Now let's move on to other teachings of the Bible. And to these people, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And yet, still, some will ask, does every devotion need to talk about the cross? Or does Pastor Ken need to mention we preach Christ and him crucified every Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because to these people, Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. In Matthew 19, verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And even so, some ask, Do we have to remind the little children 
of that ugly old cross every Sunday. And to these people, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. The devil, the world, even our own sinful, especially our own sinful nature, would do anything and everything to get the cross out of our lives. For it is on the cross that our Savior died and defeated the devil, the world. He defeated our own sinful nature. It is on the cross that our Savior died to take away our sins. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul again to write in 1 Corinthians 1, 23 through 25, he says this, Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews, a folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Gentiles, well, actually it says and Greeks, but it's the same. It's Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus does not mince words. He is blunt with Peter, and he is blunt with us. Hear me. These words are not given to drive us away. They are given to move us back to where we belong. Jesus did not tell Peter and the other disciples, so you're offended by the cross? I unfriend you. Hmm. You know what? And you guys are, you're not my disciples anymore. It's not how he works. It's not how he ever worked. We read that he continued to teach them. He continued to prepare them. And when the time was right, when the disciples had lived through the experience of knowing and seeing that their master was dead on a cross, Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to them Luke 24, 45 through 46, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You... He says to them, you are witnesses of these things. And then he restores them to himself. And he does the same thing with us in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our flesh, in spite of our big mouths. He calls us to follow him. 
He opens our eyes to the power of God in his crucifixion. He shows us the forgiveness of our sins in his crucifixion. In his crucifixion, he shows us salvation and life everlasting. And for we know, we will receive all these things through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith in him. Through that same faith, we will follow him through death into the resurrection of everlasting life. Luther would tell us to remember our baptism. Paul would tell us to remember our baptism. We died a death like his. We will surely receive a resurrection like his. We're almost done. Which promises does Jesus keep? One more time. All of them. And Jesus has promised that life in this world will be hard for those who follow him. Their confession of the faith may bring them shame in this world. It may even bring them to death. Yet he has promised this also. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. And those who have the Holy Spirit's gift of faith in Jesus Christ, they may lose everything in this world. But in the end, God will give them eternal life. And that is why we can say, in all circumstances, you hear me say this all the time, through all challenges and all troubles, it's going to be okay. Because Jesus promised. In the name of Jesus, amen.